I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello Broncos fans and welcome to the round 6 review slash round 7 preview slash Seabold Winch Fest episode of Broncos Weekly. As always, I'm Mitch and I'm joined on the line by our good friend Simo. How are you doing Simo? Yeah, nah, been better, but always keen for a Seabold Winch sesh. Yeah mate, look you've got, um, yeah you're actual sick, not like, you know, feeling shit because of the team, but uh, you, you can, obviously people can hear you now anyway, but you've been uh, been unwell, mate, so we're going to try and power through this one to, to get you in a bed. Yeah, uh, bed sounds pretty good right now. <laughs> it does, mate. Mate, was it a late D&D session that got you yesterday or something, mate? Um, what's today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, it wasn't that late. It was like 10-ish, but I've forgotten what day everything is, eh? <laughs> Haven't we all? It's like I've got um, some birthday drinks on Friday, and even in the, on driving around this morning, Anastasia was like, "That's you know Thursday's not tomorrow." It's, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, Thursday's tomorrow. Wednesday. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, it is. It is the first Thursday in a while that hasn't got a Broncos beating featured on it though, so that's quite nice. Tomorrow that I can you know not have that ruin my weekend until Saturday, which is fantastic. Yeah, just shake it up for once. Just put it right in the middle so it really ruins the weekend instead of getting it out of the way early. <laughs> right in the meaty part of a Saturday afternoon, right before you get to go out and have a good night. <laughs> but hey, Gold Coast Suns, two from two since resuming play in the AFL, so you know, maybe I'll just flick over there. It's a convenient slide, mate. So anyway, we're going to do what we did the last last episode. There's not a lot to be gained. We might do a little bit of a review, but not a lot to be gained by reviews and previews at the moment. So we'll go through the fan questions and then see, see how we're feeling from there. Just generally go with the flow. Because if if we had to review these every week, I don't know. I might, I might blow a hole in my head. I even I had a DM from another fan who's not a not a Broncos fan, but he saw he follows Broncos Weekly on Facebook and he and he sent me a screenshot and he's like, "Man, you're still doing this." <laughs> like, yeah, we are. He's like, he's like, how do you do it? I was like, mate, look, we made a commitment. We turn up every week and that's it. Even though we don't really turn up every week. <laughs> we turn up every second week. Yeah, this year's been a little bit better, but yeah, that's it. Anyway, let's get into the questions. Simon. Rightio. Uh, starting over on Facebook, we've got an actual message here, so I'll just answer, go through this one first. Um, a message? Yeah, from uh, from Jamie. He said, hey, boys, who's your favorite Broncos player of all time? Obviously, Lockie's in the picture for everyone, but personally, I loved Brent Tate growing up, although Hodges was probably my favorite. Well, that, that was... You gave yourself three favorites. I appreciate that, because I also... <laughs> <laughs> I can't nail it down to one. I feel like my, my favorites are kind of generational. Like, Lockie was my favorite Bronco and still my favorite Bronco player, but the off-field stuff and the, and the work at the club now really... 
really a bit of a turn off, hey? Yeah, it's, it's it's messing up the waters a little, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, for like, for, as a child, when I grew up, mate, my favourite Broncos players were, were Wendell. I thought I had dreams of being, firstly, black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Secondly, a winger. I and am. thirdly, yeah, taking his spot in the Broncos team. That was it. And then uh, uh, Wendell and, and Webke were my, my real big heroes as, as a real young fella. And uh, I like Lottie, but he left too early. I um I never dreamt of being black with Wendell, but Andrew Simons watching the cricket, he was he was my bloke over there. Um, <laughs> but as far as oh, Chris Walker was a big one for like half a year. Uh, oh mate, didn't, we, didn't every kid <laughs> in Brisbane love him for like half a year? He was just so fast, Simo. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, two thousand and one Origin, he really turned up there for Queensland. He did. Um, Oh, as far as actual favourites, Petro's always a good one. Um, yep. And, yeah, obviously he never should have gone to Penrith and all of that. Uh, I don't know. The other players I love, mate, I loved, as he me- he mentioned Brent Tate, who I was a fan of, but I loved Sean Berrigan. I loved Sean Berrigan. Wherever you put him, he was great. Yeah, Sean Berrigan was good. And then and all- yeah. more recent, I um, yeah, I think Milford from all the recent guys, but that's yeah. not going so great either. It's it's not, and then the other the other ones for me as well. No, you know, you mentioned other one. He mentioned Hodges, and Hodges is probably of the my favourite Bronco of the last ten years. If you can put that window down there, that or Milford, as you said, even though that's not going cr- crash right now. But I can't believe you haven't said this one, mate. What about Carmichael Hunt? Oh, yeah, I don't know how I missed that one. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was waiting for, and and also I am a big Corey Oates guy. I know he's having terrible form as well, but who is in good form? I was yeah, a big no, Corey no Oates guy, right and have been since he's since his early days there. And I did love James Roberts when he played for the club. I don't care what revisionist history you all have, but he still scored 41 <laughs> tries and 81 games in the centre, which is a pretty good strike record. Yeah, and half of those came against the Titans in an empty Seabar Stadium. And boy, couldn't we use those this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, righto, from Bruce Whitby. He said, how can the club make sure we keep David Fafita and Tom Dearden premiership winning players of the future? Uh, mate, I, like, uh, I really get sick and tired of player rumour, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but I, I particularly get sick of it because, you know, it's just, I, I'm not saying I'm smarter than anybody else, but just like I'm just so used to it all being garbage over following it too hard over the last few years. But I just can't give anything any weight until something actually happens. Like, I couldn't give a shit where Dave Hafita's linked. I just couldn't give a shit. If he wanted to leave, he'd be gone already. He'd have signed elsewhere. Yeah, it did and might go, but I think Fafita's going to stay. I think Dearden's in that position. Like, Fafita, when he comes back, he's straight in the side. He's playing 80 minutes again. He, mum wants to live in Brisbane. He, You know, he's he's from Brisbane. The offer's 750k, whatever it could be, seven 750k. Isn't that much, you know, I know it's worse than a million dollars, but it ain't bad money anyway. Like, whatever, I'm not worrying about that one. If he leaves, well, he leaves. I'll obviously be furious if we, if we lose him and get angry at the club, but it's like... I'm not going to spend too much time looking into the rumor of it, is what I'm saying. You know, and then Tom Dearden is obviously a bit more of a worry, considering he's behind an absolute potato. And um, and Mil- Milford's not a potato. Croft's a potato, and he's behind it. You know, the young guy who you know it's tough for him, but and and also the 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 lack of halfbacks around the competition. That there'd definitely be a team willing to give him a you know a start probably next weekend if they could. Um, right yeah, from uh... but oh wait sorry but how do we make sure we don't lose them we pay them I mean this is sorry as I was say the club just has to for once in their goddamn life be flexible with the roster and make room like I hate this crap where we never have any money because we just sign everyone for so long it's like there's so many there's so much garbage in that roster we shouldn't have that problem 
You just got to dump some. Well, yeah, you just got to dump boy, dump bird. Send Joe to a team desperate for a forward. There's so many teams who want a front row right now. Yeah, I mean, aren't the Titans going after SESE? Like, don't let them take him. Send them Joe. <laughs> Joe, exactly right. Uh, Blake Pinello said, "Everyone's saying we have players out in the young team when the real problem is the halves." No, it's not. Uh, okay, okay, that's no doubt. The halves suck, right? The halves have been terrible this year. Croft was always going to be shit. Milford hasn't always been a shit, but the real problem is not the halves. That's always the convenient thing. The real problem is the coach. Firstly, the people are put in there, but the coach, it's just like Simo said this a million times now already. It's not like all of a sudden players get shit or get better when the coach changes. What changed? Tactics, game plan. Yeah, it's like Kurt Mann looked good in the halves against us last week. Is all of a sudden Kurt Mann a good half? <laughs> nah. Like, yeah, no, it's not the halves. Like they sh- Okay, I agree they, they should be under pressure. So should, you know, Darius, so should many other than them. But the whole team plays like garbage. We, like, outside of the things we know, wins and losses, we're last in the competition in possession, how much we have possession in the game. We're last in the competition in supports and decoys. That's, you know, working hard off the ball. We're near bottom and kick pressures. We're near bottom all the things that's effort when you haven't got the ball in your possession. That's the, bu- the goddamn pop problem with this team. They're pedestrian. They don't give a shit and there's no effort. And that's not the halves' fault. They have been bad, but again, every half in this comp always looks shit when the team's getting beaten. Yeah, you look at the tries we do score too. You've probably got to go back to preseason against the Capras to find a try that came together off a good game plan, like a set piece. Yeah, that's it. And I know I'm going to end up attacking Croft at some time in this episode. And I and Milford deserves they okay they do deserve criticism. They both do. They're both being shit, but like they're not the one and two reasons why this club is doing poorly right now. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, Riley Schofield. Hopefully, we don't lose for feeder over Boyd. I don't think that would happen. Boyd's gone. Well, Boyd's Boyd's gone. He's not part of our cap problems in the future. Nah, uh, from David Ryland. We haven't properly adjusted to the six again rule. Whose fault is that? The coach or the players? Once we're on the back foot, we just fall apart. I mean, we've always fallen apart on the back foot under Seabold. I think the six again rule just highlighted it. Yeah, because you just get... If a team gets six again on our line and we can't even reset... Like, if ever we got a second set of six against us, we'd concede anyway. But it just looks even worse when they don't have to stop and we can't set our line and you just keep... They just end up scoring easy on us. And they're, they're undisciplined rabble lacking genuine leadership on and off the field. So they give away the most six against and give away a lot of penalties. And they don't. They haven't gotten resilient, so they crack every time. It's not... I know people keep saying we haven't adapted to the rule. It's like, no, we're just a shit team <laughs> like, who, aren't, who aren't resilient. And the rule just, it just has turned that up the notch, the new rule. Yeah. Uh, from Jamie Rosewarn. Can Bird come back and be a Broncos great, or does the knee injury end his career early? He'll never be a Broncos great. Do you think he can come back and be like average first grader? Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't think he. I mean, if we do end up re-signing him past the next year, which I doubt we do, it'd be on much less than what he's on, unless there's a huge change next year. But like, yeah, I, you know. I don't. I've never really been a big fan. You've been less of a fan than I've been. So, um, from I'm about to not get this right. Sorry, by the way, but Dujon. Sorry, one like thing. A... Thank, thank God he's injured. By the way, thank God he's injured. Yeah, Could you I imagine know. where where he'd be moving him around right now? He he would have played everywhere. <laughs> um, from Dujon Wakaisu, uh, just let Boyd and Bird go. Let the young guns have a run this year, so they'll be ready for next year or more years to come. 
or can put Fafita and Stags and Senna's and Teo straight to second row with Pango Lock. I mean, Teo's not going to play on the edge probably his whole time with us this year. He's literally going to be like bench middle for 10 or 15 minutes a week, maybe a bit more. But he didn't get signed for that. He got signed to, to be what he is around the club. But uh, every, I don't think anyone you'll find a single person disagreeing with dropping Boyd. I don't, like, at all. Like, no, I don't think anyone can find a reason why he's still on the side, any fan or, or, or pundit. Yeah, I... It's just confusing, like, because any reason you can think of that, like, why it might happen, you just, like, it doesn't seem like a big enough reason to justify him still being there. Like, you know, if it was, like, the higher-up saying he should still be playing, like, none of it just seems big enough to keep a player this bad in the side. Yeah, that was the convenient conspiracy people had last year. Oh, it must be someone above him making boy play every week. And I'm like, I'm sorry, those guys are under the same pressure Seaboldies right now, and they're all not going, you know what? We gotta say we gotta keep Darius though, you know. Like I know it's really tough on us, but what about Darius? No one, no them are doing that. It's just I don't know what's that decision. Everyone wants him dropped. I don't know why he's not. Just I don't know. Especially when no one there is even like, like if Wayne Bennett was at the club, he would have dropped Boyd anyway. But if there was someone like Wayne at the club that has been with. Boyd his whole career you could like half understand if they didn't want to drop him but like no one there has been around Boyd more than like three years I don't get it and I know he says oh he's great at training all that kind of shit and I know the pre-season you talk about how Darius is a leader at training I don't give a shit and neither do the other players like he doesn't step up in the games he's not a leader on the field and it's all good setting examples at training, but no one gives a shit about how good you are at training when it comes like round four during the season. Those guys are great in preseason, but no one, none of the fellow players give a shit if you're not good at training, if you if you turn up on the weekend and win you football games, and he doesn't. Yeah. And then Bird, I mean, they can't get rid of Bird. <coughs> They'd love to. <laughs> uh, from Jake Robert, I hope you both find this cathartic in some way and aren't just masochists. It's a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you have times where after a bad game, you know, it's handy to have a chat and you feel feel a bit better after. But actually, I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember it was like, I forget what round it was, but against the Tigers in like 2016. And it was when we were playing music as the outro. And it was like, hello, darkness, my old friend, because we thought that was about as low as we could go. And it's, uh, yeah, look at I us now. <laughs> Right. There is no limits to our floor when we get hit. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, mate, like, I know it's somewhat cathartic, but I'm just like one of those things. Like, you know, I'm not even that interested. I said last week, not even that interested at talking about all the player transfer movements because, like, none of that. No, no player outside of signing one of the greats who half of them retired anyway. But no one can just come in and turn this club around. You know, there's like. Yeah, sure, if Cooper Cronk existed, he might have done a lot. Or if he's still playing, or if we got Cam Smith somehow, or that, whatever. They got, they could, but there's not many players that are ilk around. I don't care about signing, like, you know, people are talking about, oh, what if we sign, uh, who was one of them? Oh, Luke Keery, the Pete Bedell put up this week for $10 million. It's like, well, if we had Luke Keery right now and we're still playing as, as we were playing, he'd be fucking garbage as well. It happened when he was at South too when they were struggling. He was also garbage when that team was doing garbage. Mate, Luke Keery's not much better than Darius Boyd. We've seen the stats. Seabold showed us they're about the same player. So, I don't know. But yeah, yeah um, I don't even know if Kronk could really fix this team. I think Smith might be the the most likely to have been able to come in and like basically just be the coach and like do Seabold's job. 
but I wouldn't even want him at this point. Like, yeah, if it was five years ago, like, and you're getting five or six years of Smith left, you'd take it. But at this point, it'd be, it, it's like Brady going to the Bucks. You'd just be like, yeah, it's, there's a year left and he's done. Yeah, you can't, it can't be fixed that. by a player or two, mate. It's like, I, you know, I'm really I'm really torn about, like, I want Tessie New to play. I love Tessie. People have heard me talk about him on this podcast since the start of last year, maybe even earlier. But, like, just the way that's happened is, like, it's another just another nail on that coffin of, of Seabold's decision-making. It's all such short-term stuff. It's like Asako had been playing okay, like, pretty well, like, doing his job hard from the back. Yeah, he hasn't trailed anything. Maybe there's anybody else. And then he gets the bullet whilst other guys stay in the side, like Darius, who knew can play centre. But whatever, they kept Darius in. As you know, I mean, that's when I... like. It's like, oh, okay, it doesn't matter who we sign. They're not fixing this decision-making process. Like, what is it? 11th different spine combination he's used since the start of last year. And and he's only kept the unchanged team once, which is round two and three last year. I know there's been a lot of injuries, but all that ain't injury. All of it's not injury. A lot of the spine shuffling hasn't been injury. Yeah. Um... Jamie Mai said, your ability to still podcast in these dark times is amazing. Thanks for being the voice of our frustrations. Definitely um, the voice of your frustrations. <laughs> Jaden Edmonds, as always, would like to know your round seven tips. Well, mate, I've done, I think I've done really bad the last like two weeks when I haven't shared my tips on here. Um, this well, is actually, like... No, I'm, bad this week and we're sharing them. I'm about to go probably only get two right this week, but it all seems like gimmies the whole way down this list here. You've got Penrith at Rabbitohs. Penrith, Storm at Warriors, Storm are winning that. Roosters at Dragons, Knights will beat Cowboys, Broncos, Titans. I think that's going to, I actually think we're going to win that easy. So do I. Um, Eels, I think, will beat Raiders. It's Eagles at Sharks, and then Tigers, Bulldogs is about the only coin flip of the lot. Yeah, I'll take Tigers there. And Seagulls is like, if the Sharks, if I had any raps on them whatsoever, they might be able to beat this Eagles team because they're missing so many players. But I still think the Seagulls will find a way. As you said, Eels, Raiders is probably. The only tough one to pick, and and on form you don't pick even consider the Raiders. It's more thinking maybe they'll step up. Yeah, so, but you know, watch me get two of those right. Yeah, mate, the Dragons um, eat the Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just give Mary that extension. Um, would not that would be hilarious? Actually, I'd love that. <laughs> um, you know, if our team's going to be miserable, at least someone else can be too. Uh, mm. Thomas Lund thoughts on the Asako dropping I don't believe it's warranted and many others could have been dropped before him yeah and I know I talked about earlier saying it's not the halves fault but I would have dropped both of them before I dropped Asako and then you've got Asako dropped and, I, and you know again I'm not saying he's been exceptional this year but he was, he's been learning to play fullback improving really solid on his kick returns putting a, a good effort back there and like he gets dropped, but it's like you know. Again, I would have rather played him at centre, even though he's not a bloody centre, just because you know why not keep like, guys in there actually putting in like him at centre. I'd rather have seen that and, and then seen Boyd dropped. I would have bloody bloody seen Asako play six and get dropped. <laughs> you know that's how ridiculous it is. Like the guy is one of the very few putting in every bloody week, and always has. By the way, he's had, but even when he was playing bad last year, he slogged his guts out on the wing for us. Yeah, that's, he he tries harder than most of them. Like. Payne Ass is ridiculous every week, and you can see how hard he tries. Matt Lodge tries. Asako. It's even, and it's even not... wearing on Haas, though, hey. Like, yeah. 80 minutes every week. I mean, he's... Like, how old? Of course it's going to wear on him. He's, you can't play that long. 
I heard, I hate that I was going to say this, but on, on the way to podcasting Boom Rookies on this week, this weekend before the disaster of the mixer blowing up we had happen. Anyway, dropped my missus in the city, so I listened to about 15 minutes of Triple M Radio on the way to, to, my, to the uh, podcast. And on the podcast, bloody Gordon Tallis makes a good point. You know, and generally a lot of these guys, old former players, don't even pay attention to this kind of shit. But Gordy's like, they're playing paying us 80 minutes every week. And he said, most of the good forwards play 60 minutes. And he said, you do realize, like he said, if, if you grab that, then he said, if you're comparing that to a Tal Malolo, Haas is playing an extra game than Tal Malolo every four weeks. Yeah. Because he's playing 80 minutes every week, he's playing an extra game. Every four weeks, he's playing an extra game. You're putting extra games mileage on his body every four weeks, plus training. And then it's at some point, like, you're putting way too much in the kid. And I was like, wow, Gordy, look at you making a point about exhaustion. I couldn't believe that. And he, and he actually got a rest this week, but he had his worst metres output in forever, 85 metres. But, yeah, um, like, he puts in everything you said, mate, but we can't keep relying on him and, and those few effort guys like that. Not I, dropping one of them. I just, I forget where I read this too, but they were talking about Haas. And you just, so say he's playing 80 minutes, you can't tell me that I think you would get a better stint out of him for that last 20 if you gave him a rest for the 15 before. You know, like, so he comes from second half, say, plays 5, 10 minutes, off for 10 or 15, and then when he come back on for the last 20, it would it would it would be like Tamalolo. There was those few years where he would come on and the Cowboys would chase down every, any team in the comp and just steamroll them in the last 20 minutes because Tamalolo came on the field and would take two hit-ups a set. That's it, mate. And there, and there is those edge cases. Like, Tamalo has some games when he plays 70-plus or 80 because, you know, someone gets concussed or something. It's edge cases where those guys have to play those minutes. But that's 100% it, mate. In, in, in an older situation, we shouldn't be going into games planning for him to play 80. And we yeah. do it every week. It's like it's just it's just going to grind him into a pace. Like, what is it? So he had 85 metres this week. Two weeks, we had 103 metres. And they're both terrible low for him this year. I understand we haven't had much ball, but, you know... Would definitely make it doing something like to me. He looks like he's got far less gas than he had start of the year and back in the last year. I mean, that's it's not surprising at all. Um, yeah. Okay, let's look. And that that is his career low by the eighty-five meters. Like, not including in the back end of twenty eighteen where he had played off the bench and got injured. Low since start of last year. Um, Scotty Jim is new just to play to keep him from going to the Titans, or is it an actual change to improve the team? It's a desperation thing. He's staying, by the way. I believe he's already re-signed or that in that final stage of that anyway. But um, it's desperation, mate. It's not a... Don't think too much ahead because he the coach makes these changes every week. Don't think that it's some huge play to keep him the Titans. That's too That's too far. It's desperation. He wants a win. And he hasn't got the guts to drop Boyd still. Won't drop Milford or Croft. It's just the easiest, the easiest way for him to, you know... You know, try and find a buy win out of someone or some effort out of him. And if it, you know, I'd love to say it's a long term, mate. But if we lose the next three games or New doesn't play well, he'll move. He'll change it again because that's what he's done since the start of last year. You know how many times we've had people ask us on this podcast: is X change for the long term? Like <laughs> almost every second week, and they never are. Yeah. Um, Scott Fellows, do you think Seabold has a huge gambling debt roughly the size of three years' wages? Um, Dale the club's Chester. got gambling debt the size of five years' wages. <laughs> Dale Chester, he said, thoughts on Milford's future? Like, there's no there's no argument he's been disappointing this year and, and last year. And I know in the, in the past, 
I'd um I'd excuse a lot of his, his disappointing performances due to the way we've used him and, and you know the setup around him or the you know he's asking him to be a halfback when he's not blah 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 all that kind of stuff. This the last few weeks is the first time I've started to go off him because I feel like we finally said to him be a ball runner, do you know, inject yourself when you want to, and he's taken that to the nth degree. And it's not his fault that we're, that we're losing and all that kind of stuff. But like, when we're chasing back that Manly game, and when he did get the ball right at the end, we almost scored. But there was long stretches of that Manly game, at the, chasing that. I think he played pretty well for the first 60, where he just didn't get near the ball. And I get your job isn't to be the halfback anymore. I get, you know, you're not supposed to be the ball dominant guy anymore. I get all that. But sometimes it doesn't fucking matter what your job was before the game kicked off. When the, If you're the best, you're supposed to be the best playmaker... It's getting close in the game. Get your hands on the ball and try, fucking try something. Like, I don't mean you don't love Cam Munster, but look at him last week without Riley Jacks. Twice he wrapped around from the left to the right and set two tries up with passes for a guy who probably couldn't pass the ball straight two years ago. It was all ball runner. Like, that's him. He's not supposed to be the ball dominant half either, but that's him having to step up when he's like, this team needs something. And that's what's starting to hurt me with Milford. And I have zero doubt the day he ever leaves, if he does leave, when he goes to the next club he goes to, he'll have a renaissance. I have zero doubt about that, and it's going to suck. But uh, I don't know what his long-term future is at, at this point in time. I don't know if he'll be scapegoated for the club this like this year or next year. But I'd like to see him with a better coach around him again. Yeah, just talking about going off him, and I mean, this kind of is all just a part of what you said, but you'd have games in previous years when he was doing a job that he wasn't supposed to, like, wasn't good at. But even when none of it was going his way, you'd still see him, like, touching the ball more than anyone else. And it looked like he was still trying really hard, which, like... Yeah. Obviously, you know, you don't always... You don't want the best thing about your expensive playmaker to be, oh, well, at least he tries hard. But, like, that was still something to be, like... like Hang his hat on. Yeah. Whereas now, it's just... So, yeah, I always could get behind him then because you're like, you know, even when it's not working, he's still trying to do stuff, still trying to make things happen, whereas now he's just hiding. And yeah, that it. is the big difference, isn't it, mate? Like, and like you're just screaming out. I know he's still not a fully experienced playmaker, but you're screaming out for someone like him to get their hand on the ball. But, you know, he's touched the ball 33 times last week and 37 times the week before. It's just not enough. It just isn't enough, like... And I know last this last week we kind of got pounded, and they're not, and they're not his fault. With it's not his fault we're losing games, but you expect more. And I know we both know it's quite clear that the tactic is give it to Brody, let him kick, and it's going poorly. But again, sometimes you want Milford to go get out of the way. I'm kicking this next one, and he doesn't do it. Yeah. Uh, last one here on Facebook from Judd Baker. Uh, why are we so shit? Top five reasons. Okay, I got three. Got no, let's, I, I got five. I got five that don't include any of the players. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. I'm going to go number one's White. Yeah, number one. Okay, we might we might agree all the way down here. Okay, so number one's Paul White. Yep. Okay. Number two is Carl Morris. Yep. That's if you didn't... Okay, some people have to know who these guys are, obviously. If you don't know who Carl Morris is, he's the new chairman of the board 2018. Uh, anyway, uh, number three is Anthony Seabold. So he's third. It's not that far down the chain. He's probably where he belongs. Number three is Anthony Seabold. I had Lockie number, tied yep. with number two, like as a combined thing oh, for number you? two there. See, I had, I had him four. Okay. I, had Lockie. Well, I, I, I was just like right. the board in general kind of at number two. <laughs> you might be right. I might, you might be able to slide Lockie above Seabold there because he was a part of the white anding as well. 
Um, and then my last one, my fifth, and it's a it's a two people, but it's Peter Nolan and Isaac Moses, butt buddies there. Who um the the you know Peter Nolan, the head of recruitment there. We've got a lot of Moses's boys, and uh, Nolan's also been. He was one of the guys. If you don't know who he is before the Broncos, Google his name. Google Peter Nolan Parramatta, and you'll find the story about him handing bags of cash to people in car parks, which is great. When they cheated the gap. That's a uh, yeah, smart move right there. Um, I mean, well, White will be gone, and we need to fire Fat Tony soon enough. I mean, then you just got. Don't know about Carl Morris. I don't know how you sort that out. <laughs> Two of the three will yeah. be gone soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping Paul, like the weird stuff, the Paul White, like leaving this year hasn't fully been confirmed again yet. And I'm hoping he's gone this year. That um, I'm not going to read them, but there's a disgraceful article from uh, him and Carl Morris and Kiri Maldis last week blaming all the players again. It's the players' fault and like, you know, believe in the coach and all that kind of garbage. Of course they do. They made the decision, but it was just such weak-chinned garbage. <laughs> all of it. And you read it and it's so uninspiring, just like the coach is uninspiring. Nobody at that club wants to be accountable for anything. It's it like just talking about how uninspiring everyone is. It's like you've cloned Andy Dalton, and there's like seven of them running the Broncos, and it's yeah. just the most milk toast operation possible. It's like, it's not their fault. They put the, the again that no one's ever said it's a crap roster. Like that's what Paul White got lost in his thing, saying, "Oh, we've got lots of talent here." There is lots of talent there. But it's the way you've assembled the roster and the contracts is where you messed it up. And the, the, no one wants to take accountability for any of that. It's someone else's fault. We don't know whose all this is, but it's not theirs. It just happened to them. Yeah. It's honestly like he he like learned how to sign players playing Rugby League Live 2 and is like, all you have to do is just sign players with high stats and that's all you have yeah. to think about. And, and uh, yeah. Leadership's not well, a stat on Rugby League Live 2, apparently. I love the vain thread at saying, oh, we'll drop players too if you don't perform. It's like, oh, yeah, who? Who, who are you really going to stand up to? Darius Boyd is retiring. Milford's got another year and a half. Cross got years on his deal. Like, who are you, who are you apparently standing up to saying, put the you know, shape of a ship out? They've all got years. Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over on the Twitter now from Danger underscore Anger. Tom Dearden has played more first grade games in the halves than Tony Siebold, a former fringe prop and German international player. I'm not saying make him captain coach, but I'm not not saying that. I just want to see Bod go. Yeah, thank God Dearden's going to play bench hooker this week. It's unfair on Asako to be dropped entirely, but like he should not be bench hooker. But another one, it's like, why did this not happen like four weeks ago? Why did you play Corey Pakes F60 and then New or Asako hooker after that? Why did Dearden not get that run there? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, from Correct. Pertos. Pertos one. Who's the next Broncos coach? <laughs> I I got one here that I want. Yeah. Is I just want Cam Smith. I like they were you know, they always say you know like best players don't make great coaches, but I think Cam Smith sees the game differently to a player. Like when you're talking about great co- great players not making great coaches, when you got like Lockyer or Andrew Johns, I think Cam Smith's different to those that type of player. Yeah, because Cam Smith has like about zero athletic ability. Yeah, <laughs> so but he's all been playing of, all of, I'm with you, all of what he's brain. done is yeah, it's all in the head, and I think he would be a great coach. And I mean, it couldn't yeah. be he could at least pick a competent seventeen and put a game plan together. So um, we picked the Origin team for a decade there, so like you did all right. <laughs> yeah, and you know that went okay. So um, and then he you know asshole DCE out, and I was fine with that. So good decisions all around from from Cam. Um, anyone you like? 
Well, I think there's um a, obviously now there's going to be a few coaches punted this year. It looks like it looks like McGregor is probably you know if sorry when not if same with Dean Pay, and so it feels like Shane Flanagan will have a job next year somewhere. And I'd take him by the way. People don't um, like yeah. him, but I take him because he wins. But and then the other way place you have to look is where do everyone else's coaches always come from. It's always like a Roosters or a uh, or a or a Storm assistant. So. It's going to be like Jason Riles or Craig Fitzgibbon will get, will get a run next year somewhere. I don't know if I want them, but I don't mind Sean Wayne from Wigan either. Yeah, I don't but, want uh, Fitzgibbon or I definitely don't want Riles. But, like, you also can't tell me... I've seen the Dragons play way better football than we're playing. Like, I think Mary would be able to coach this side better than Seabold. And seeing the, the players, like, they're not great players, but they play for Dean Pay. I think he also would be able to coach this side a lot better than Seabold. Like, same, mate. Same. They're not long-term solutions, but if you had them, like, if you had them, we'd be doing better than we are now. Yeah, I mean, I'm afraid of the club just going to some form of old boy like Kevy Walters. But one, one of the two signings I would make is I wouldn't even I would because we have the money to do it. I would sign Stephen Kearney as my defensive coach, my assistant coach. He's he's free right now. And then I would give David Ferner almost as much as my head coach to be my assistant coach, but coach my attack. Best assistant coach attacking. He co- if you don't know where Ferner is right now, he's at Newcastle. Prior, he was at the Rabbitohs when Seabub was there, and prior, he was at Raiders when he was there. And his team's almost always... And he's also been at the Cowboys too, sorry. Team's almost always been like a top two offense since he's been a, an assistant coach. Um and then Kearney, he was, already, he was the Broncos defensive coach when our defense is actually good. And then he left and it turned to shit. But I just, um, I know he's not the world's best head coach, but I've seen him coaching enough and seen enough of him behind the scenes that he's a real hard-ass. And I'd like a hard-ass defensive coach. And then on top of that, I don't really care who the head coach is as long as he can keep the rest of them happy. What Wayne Bennett's son. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you've got, if you had Kearney and Fanner running everything then yeah just have a dean pay like that can just get people like to run through a brick wall for him i wouldn't care who it it. was that's what it is mate that's it it doesn't have to be so hard but uh yeah like obviously everyone would love craig bellamy it's just never happening and and the other elite coaches in the competition like we're not getting adam o'brien he just went to newcastle we're not getting trent robinson you know we're not we're not getting uh what's his name uh des hasler so yeah, I, we could probably we could have had Michael Maguire, but we turned him down. Maybe we go after Michael Maguire again. We could probably get him to break his contract. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind Michael, but yeah. Right, King Wally one. Why is our coach a spineless coward, making cop out changes to avoid dropping the likes of Milf, Croft, and Boyd? I don't know. It's. I don't know. By the way, I want to apologise. I did. I was against hiring Michael Maguire like three years ago, and I feel like an idiot for being against it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it looks stupid now. <laughs> no, I just want to. I was against it because he felt like Paul Green to me that his attack was that boring and it was worn out. And it's the truth; it was. But it's already been evident, like the since the days went at the Tigers, and yes, they're not doing great. But when you hear him talk, you're like, oh. This guy know, knows what he's doing. He's happy to keep help, hold, hold the players accountable. And he's made some smart moves since he's been there. You know, and like he's still tied to some terrible contracts at that club. But they're only on the way up since he's got there. And the whole thing about how like he doesn't give a shit what their attacks like until they, as long as they can defend. Like he wants to build defense first. That's how teams win comps. That's the kind of coach you want. 
Um, yeah, agree. Mr. Underscore Astro Blade, please have King Wally guest appear to rant rapidly for a few minutes. The intro outro theme <laughs> as the intro no. outro. I get enough of his rap. His, you're, you're in that DM, uh, Mitch. He's, I get enough of that all week from King Volley. <laughs> uh, Pythago NRL. To give us relief from the current situation, rank our premiership winning teams from best to slightly less best. <laughs> yeah, bloody... Um, this stuff we're getting from, from Wally, by the way, right now, is like the DM version of Anne Frank's diary. It's like he's, he's been taken <laughs> captive by Anthony Seabold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, our, yeah, I've just been trying to ignore it. To le- like, yeah, our premiership's ranked. Well, 2006 would probably be considered the worst team of ours that won a comp. The, I mean, the like, best would be mo- 98. Yeah, 98 was Nin- the best because it went back to the, the merged comp and we proved we were the best. Um, so then you, I mean, 97 then is pretty much the same side. So you probably go there. Um, I mean, I always prefer. Okay. Okay. I got, I've got, this is my ranking. Oh, you go. Sorry. Well, I was just going to go 98, 97, 2000, um, put the 92, 93 side then after that and go 06 last. Yeah. I was, that's what I was going to do. Except I would have. 93 to second last. 92 is more important, obviously, being our first one. And then I'll probably oh, rank I was just kind of 2000. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're close enough together, they're pretty much the same side, so. Yeah, um, fair enough. Right, from Corey Goats. What is going to happen first? One, the Broncos sack Seabold, or two, Wally is going to kill Seabold and take one for the team? They're the same thing to me. He's dead to me either way. So, um, <laughs> but, um, I, I think one will happen first. Wally has to go to Suncorp for two to happen, doesn't he? And that's not going to happen. We know Wally doesn't go yeah, to Suncorp. Exactly. So. Um, from King Wally again. Um, Righto, from King Wally one again. Why do Broncos fans, for the most part, gloss over Croft? He's not good enough for this club, and if we're going to sign a 22-year-old, we may as well have just stuck with Dearden, who's got a higher ceiling. Croft doesn't do anything well. Yeah, this one does kill me a little, because, like, I know everyone's coming from Milford, but it's like, is it just because Croft hasn't been around as long? Probably. He's goddamn garbage. He's not any of the things they signed him for or what they said he's going to be. He's as bad as we all thought he was going to be. He's robotic. You've never seen someone with the, such hard hands. How are they supposed to have soft hands? He's such a hard-handed half. His defense is garbage. Kicking game is terrible. He's not a leader like he's supposed to be. This is the thing, by the way. He's supposed to be the leader. We keep ignoring that for some reason. He's the captain when Glenn's out. He's the vice captain. He's the halfback. He's supposed to be the leader, and no one seems to give a shit that he's not doing that. He's garbage. Yeah, I, I think no one cares about that because that's so far away from what he actually can do. But like, people seem to have forgotten it. <laughs> yeah, they like it's so far away from what his abilities are that people have completely forgotten that he was signed to be the leader of this side and be the captain. Like, and just because it's his first year, like they've just it's just been completely forgotten that yeah, that's what he was supposed to do. Yeah, terrible. I mean, and we all knew it would be a bad signing anyway. Pretty much of us did. Except for those of us who just didn't watch the Storm play and just listened to what the Courier Mail said. Like, signing Storm rejects. Great. Righto. Uh, 
from Harry Remage. You think Knights fans will no longer scream bring TPJ home after his last performance? I mean, he was he was all right in that game. I know he did some dumb things, but like this is this team, as we said earlier, is so undisciplined, and he kind of highlights it more than anybody. Hey, yeah, that's his game. Like that's his move. He's going to use it. He is, and he was he was all right in this game. Like I know he made um a couple of errors he shouldn't have made, but he put a hit on Clemmer. He he had our most most runs, I think, and most meters. Like he tried his guts out, but. It just seems that that whole team, they were an absolute bunch... Sorry, he didn't have the, he had the most meters of our forwards, sorry. Absolute bunch of cats when they get down in games and just try to start fights and things like that. Like, And Pangai wasn't really part of that group, but he's definitely part of the group taking the piss with his discipline under under Seabold. Another case of, like, and you can see clearly this te- the team seems to run itself on some points. Yeah, righto. Um, from Jack K. Cronin. Hey, lads. Long-time follower, second-time listener. Scott for Farnworth, who says no. Broncos get some much-needed hashtag experience in the outside backs, and the Raiders get another raw English talent. I mean, Curtis Scott is goddamn garbage. Another Storm reject. <laughs> yeah, yes, Storm reject. <laughs> the Storm don't want you, you're not good. It's pretty simple. So no, we say no. <laughs> um, GM Walker underscore Broncos 13 plus errors. <laughs> oh, uh, we Na- might be back. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Nathan Chip 22. Boys, seriously, I've never been so genuinely afraid, genuinely afraid of a footy game in my entire life. The Broncos must win on Saturday. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like that's um, where I'm at. I don't care. Yeah. Like, if they lose or what, I don't care. Um, NRL CEO Stat Hunt, please explain how dumping your fullback and bringing in a rookie half to sit on your bench helps. No doubt, when they beat the Titans, it will be seen as a, as a success until the following week. Yeah, it's not my job to explain that. Uh, Liam Patrick, 1993. By what round is Seabold sacked? I think he sees out the year, mate. I just feel like that he's going to. But if it keeps going like this, like... I didn't realise how, ba- how bad it was going. I know it's only been six games. I looked at the ladder and realised, oh, wow, we're actually third last after this round. I was like, okay. Who are the, who's below us it'd be dragons and titans no no dragons are ahead of us now mate they got two wins it's bulldogs titans below us dragons same amount of wins obviously but better for and against righto uh from at errol on toast i would have never thought i would be in a season where the wooden spoon is an extremely likely scenario time to relocate this team to perth uh thoughts on sean wayne or craig fitzgibbon if seabold is punted at season's end I don't know enough about Fitzgibbon. I really don't as a, as a coach. Um, so I don't know. Sean Wayne, I, I know he's a decent-ish coach, but I'm, I'm of that basket of like, it just, it can't, I can't be this bad. I've never seen such poor coaching out of a full-time coach, if you get me. It's generally like when you see someone come in and absolutely fumble their way through and be terrible, generally they're a caretaker. It's hard to think of a full-time coach. It's like this, him and Nathan Brown, I can think of it as just as garbage as Seabold's been this year and last year. Um, from Cameron Anchor, we could potentially finish this round in spoon position. Surely Seabes doesn't last long after that. Well, mate, what did Paul White say? He's got the right ingredients to be a good coach. <laughs> I'll keep him around. Hasn't got the bloody recipe, but he's got the ingredients. <laughs> DW Kingston, are the Broncos a basket case? Yes. Um, from RCG Kennedy. 
Yes, of everyone, course, yes. Everyone blames Wayne for our terrible contracts. How much influence did Wayne have on the length of deals and player options? Mate, look, we, we can all... Nobody knows a true answer to that, right? Not the Broncos. But again, like there's a recruitment and convention committee at the club. They're all still there, bar Wayne. And Wayne's last year there, he wasn't doing the recruitment and, re- and retaining it. It's, it's been documented like a hundred times. You, you've got to have rocks in your head to think. A, cl- a coach, they were white-anting, right? They were white-anting him from the start of that year. They somehow allowed him to sign contracts. Like, but people just want look someone to blame. They want someone to blame, even though the roster isn't even that bad. You think like so? Since then, is Brody Croft Wayne's fault as well? Is it? But also, like the bit I never get when people talk about how Wayne tried to white out the club is he still wanted to be at the club. Yeah. So like that doesn't compute. And again, so, yeah. as we know, mate, this team made the finals in there and they were, they were fifth and all that, whatever, whatever. It's just always the easy excuse to try and blame him, but it wouldn't be this bad if he was here right now. And um, again, the player options, it's just Isaac Moe just actually dancing on, on people in our recruitment and higher up in the club. Like Pretty much at every club, the coach doesn't actually sign the contract, right? They don't actually sign the contract and the money. They'll be a part of the decision as how they want player or X or Y, and someone else's job is to figure out the financials, you know? Most competent person working at Red Hill is Isaac Moses. <laughs> He's running the joint. <laughs> Why don't we just get him to be coach? He'd do a better job than Seebs would. Mate, mate pick, pick his... Well, he could pick his own, like, 17 players that a Broncos contracted, can't he? <laughs> well, yeah, it might be a conflict of interest because he's probably, like, the agent for all the best ones. So he could, you know, work yeah. their way out of those other sides, get them to the Broncos. Perfect. Um, yeah, that was the last one. Okay, how long have we been going here? I think that's almost long enough. I mean, do you want to talk about the, the previous game or previewed upcoming game? No, nah, we didn't talk about Titans for two minutes. Yeah, I mean, that Knights game was another disgrace. You know, it just was. Let's talk about the, tit- let's talk about the Titans game. Um, right, yeah, we'll go through a team list. Yeah. All right, so for Broncos, we got fullback. We talked about Tessie Nuke will be at fullback. Uh, the wingers will be Corey Oates and Xavier Coates. Centers, Herbie Farnworth and Darius Boyd somehow. Anthony Milford, 5'8". Brody Croft, halfback. Front row of Matt Lodge, Payne Haas and Isaac Luke, hooker. Alex Glenn and TPJ, the second row with Joe O. Locke. And interchange at the moment of Jermaine Asako, Jamil Hopawati, Reese Kennedy, Ben Teo. And the reserves, Tom Dearden, Ethan Bullimore, Tyson Campbell, and Richie Kenner. Okay, the Titans line up at fullback, Corey Thompson. Uh, on the wings, you've got Anthony Don and Philip Sami. The centers, Brian Kelly and Dale Copley. Uh, Ash Taylor at 5'8", and Jamal Fogarty at halfback. At the front row, Moiki Fotoeka and Sam Lasone with Mitch Rain in a hooker for Aaron Clark. Uh, the back row, Kevin Proctor and our man Keegan Hipgrave on the edge. Thank God. <laughs> and Jairo at lock. Uh, the bench, Tana Boyd at 14, Tyro and Peachy, Jaiman Jaliffy, and uh, Jared Wallace with the reserves of Bryce Cartwright, Aaron Clark, Bo Fermor, and Tyrone Roberts. This is when sometimes you see, this is like, mate, the Seabold versus Justin Holbrook, the movable object against a stoppable force. What 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 a pair of geniuses between them. This, this matchup is like that Spider-Man meme personified. Just like the two pointing at each other. 
Um, so I've just got a scenario here, and just can't you see this happening, right? So we know this team; they don't like to do hard stuff. So you get an easy side here. You got the Titans. Tessie new debut. He'll probably get like a double or a hat trick. Looks like a genius move from Seabold. This forward pack just steamrolls people. None of the tries come off like game plans or set pieces, but it's like offloads from TPJ because he's just loving yeah. the flat track. The whole forward pack is just steamrolling. You win like 36 to 14 or something. Just paper over every crack at the club. Yeah. And then lose to the Bulldogs in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. That, like, yeah, you don't want to lose, but I think I want this even less. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a lose lose situation as far as wanting Seabold out. Like, we've got the next four teams is what? Titans here, who's next week and then Bulldogs then Tigers that's Warriors next then Bulldogs then, yes um, yeah, yeah, yeah and then Storm but, but it's yeah I'm with you like if we had if we had Storm next right at Suncorp and they put 50 on us and we scored 6 that's just a great big pile to dump on top of where we currently are to get Seabold out but we've got yeah. these four just absolute tomato cans you probably win three of them because that's just what's going to happen. And then it'll be like, oh, yeah, no, we were looking good the last few weeks and then Storm, they do things that the good teams do and effective contact, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Well, we have a lot of good teams left at our run, though. It's like, yeah, we'll get pounded. I'll tell you what, one thing, though, it was it was both good to see and also deeply concerning that last week Isaac Luke was our most competent game player, game, sorry, Game manager, having spent like two days at the club, only guy that looked like he had any somewhat some form of direction. So this is great. Haven't been able to coach it out of him yet. That's it, mate. Like that try, that Oates bomb that Shibasaki held him up on. That was Isaac Luke just playing what he saw. Ignored the Capote Croft bomb, ran left, fed Milford. Milford got outside his man, and we scored. And we should have scored. And there was a few other occasions like, oh, look at this guy actually understands how the game is played, and he's doing a good job. What a shock! But like. That was also depressing that it's like, oh yes, the guy who has had no training is like this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. But, um, um, this game, I want to see Tessie kill it, but uh, yeah. that's about it. I've got, I've got no other hopes and dreams. I've got some stats before we go, though, to shit on Seabold again, because of course I do. That's what I do. And I've, I've put some of these on Twitter before already. I mentioned earlier that the changes one, but I want to... Re-update, I mentioned four weeks ago how it was the worst start ever. Well, it's still the worst start ever. <laughs> what a shock in terms of points <laughs> scored. So it's our, it's now officially our least points ever scored through six rounds. Our most ever conceded through six rounds. Our worst points differential through six rounds. He's still the only Broncos coach to never score 40 points. Still the only Broncos coach to only score 30 points once in a season. This is good. Um... We've, all, we've scored, so against the 2016 Knights team, the worst team in the modern era, we have, through six rounds, scored less and conceded more than they did. So that's great. This is going real well. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure too, like, if you, if you looked at more just the four games since the season restarted, it would be a lot worse. Those first two wins would swing the numbers a little bit. Yeah, and we still conceded a buckload of points there, which is, you know, good good to see. Haven't scored in four second halves. Everyone knows that one already. We're playing off of the Titans to have the most points scored at Suncorp in this game <laughs> this year. Like, uh, 
killer. And I know we, it's impossible to have a season as bad as the 2016 Knights. They won one game. We've already won more than that. And they, they started to lose more. Like, round 7, they lost 53-0. Round 10, they lost 62-0. They started to really fall apart, which is the truth. But that, that doesn't change the fact that through six rounds, we are very close to what they were. And actually, through six rounds, they had a win and a draw. So they weren't even far, that far behind on competition points. Yeah, I thought that win came later in the season, but they only got that win because of multi-ball anyway. Yeah, and then they drew with a ca- Canberra really early on, and then from then on, just that turned into an absolute farce. Classic Brownie. But our coach is just like Brownie of the North, mate. Doesn't know what he's doing with young players, shuffles the team every other week, all that kind of same garbage. If you had to have a coach for five years between Brownie or Seabol, who you got? Oh, I hate that question. At least Brownie's press <laughs> conferences are somewhat entertaining. Yeah, Seabold is just a bore. He is. Like, can I just choose to shoot myself in the back of my brain? On their press conferences, who do you think is more premeditated? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Brownie was riding that one for about three years, waiting to beat Wayne. <laughs> um, oh. So I think that one's more premeditated. But at least his gear is good. It's not like, you know, when when Seabold turns up with his premeditated stuff, it's like garbage it's about... Effective, dumb stats. Yeah, dumb stats that nobody cares about, even as a stats man. Experience numbers, all other, other garbage. At least Brownies was funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, well, I'm okay, all out. That's it. Let's do it. That's, that's it, and it's time for you to go to bed then. Yeah, catches. Okay, so later, guys. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.